Well, go ahead and turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Jude, verse 20. There is no chapter in Jude, so the book of Jude, uh, towards the end of the New Testament, and we will jump in there this morning. Jude, verses 20 through 23 say, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and of some have compassion, making a difference. And others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Let's pray and ask God to bless our service this morning. Lord, thank You for the opportunity that we have to worship You this morning, to praise You this morning. Lord, I pray that as we focus our attention now on the preaching of Your Word, that You would teach us this morning, that we would learn what You have for us today. And we'll give You the praise for it all. In Jesus' name, Amen. This morning I'd like to talk to you simply about the idea of influence. Influence in our world. You know, influencers throughout our world, we think of different people like social media influencers. We think of those that are on YouTube. Yesterday I was in Wegmans grocery store in Wegman's grocery store, uh, I was able to, uh, I was able to, my son and I were walking in, and as we walked in, we walked by this gentleman that he said, Dad, I think I know that guy. I think that guy is a YouTube influencer. I've seen him on YouTube. And so we, we did not circle around and ask him any questions, but he was convinced that he saw a YouTube influencer in Wegman's yesterday. You know, we think of influencers in our society, such as influencers in the political realm. We think of influencers in our society being from Hollywood. There are many different people throughout society that we look at as influencers in our society. We think of influencers such as teachers. They have influence over a classroom. We think of influencers such as preachers. They have influence over a congregation. Many different people throughout society have influence in the decisions that we make. We think of influencers such as, such as marketing advertisements that are, that are out there that we hear and are bombarded with day after day. They say over 2,000 marketing messages that we hear every single day. We think of influences, influence that is within our society, and oftentimes we don't realize that God has given each one of us a great deal of influence. God has given us influence in our neighborhoods. God has given us influence in our workplaces. God has given us influence with our children, some of us with our grandchildren. God has given us influence in a church. God has given us influence in our community. God has given us influence all throughout this area and all around the world. And it's what we do with that influence that matters. How we use that influence matters to the Lord Jesus Christ. There was a man that, uh, that was a great preacher of our day. His name is Lon Solomon. Many of you have heard of him. He used to pastor one of the largest churches in America. And Lon Solomon, if you know his testimony, you go back uh, several years when he was a college student. He grew up in a, a Jewish home. And as a man growing up in a Jewish home, he started questioning a lot of different things about his faith. And he started pursuing different things that would bring him joy, bring him satisfaction. He started with drugs. 
And then drugs wasn't doing it, so he knew he needed some sort of religion. Of course, he had grown up with religion. He knew he needed some, some religion, so he started with the Eastern religions, with Zen, Buddhism. Then he tried turning back to Judaism. Then he decided, well, I'm going to be a rabbi so I can find out all of the answers that I'm seeking. He quickly realized that the answers that he was seeking was not in drugs. The answers that he was seeking is not in just any religion that's out there. The answers that he was seeking, he could not find. So he decided, I'm going to turn to my buddies. Of course, these were his, his dope-smoking buddies and to find out the meaning of life. Probably not a good place to turn to find the meaning of life. Until one day as a college student, he's walking through a park and his dog that he's walking all of a sudden gets into a fight with another dog in front of what he would describe as the weirdest man in the world. And as he looked at this, this odd man, this man's name was Bob Eckhart, and he looked at this man and all of a sudden he looks up and he's like, what do I say to this man that is so odd? And so he started to fumble through and he, he, he just went on with his life. But Bob Eckhart ended up having influence in the man, Lon Solomon, that would impact all of eternity. You know, we have influence in our life today. It's not a matter of if we have influence because we all have influence. It's a matter of how we use that influence that matters. Jude 20 says, But ye, beloved, building up your, yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, and keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. This morning, three simple points. The first is we influence our world through a close relationship with the Lord. We influence our world through a close relationship with the Lord. Most of us that are in here, most of us that are watching online call ourselves Christians. We have, a, we have started a relationship with the Lord. You know, your influence that you have in your community is influenced because of your relationship with the Lord. We influence our world through this closeness of a relationship. Our testimony can draw people to Christ. Some of you, your testimony would be just that. The testimony of someone else, seeing them in your community, seeing them in the workplace, seeing them in your family, is what drew you to the Lord Jesus Christ. Our testimony can have that kind of an impact in our world. Our testimony can draw people to Christ. You know, your neighbors know that you're in church this morning. They watch you. They, they see how you lead your life. They see how you lead your life when things are going well. They see how you lead your life when things are not going well. And they're watching to see, is, do they have something different than what I have? Do they have something that matters? Do they have the meaning of life? Do they have joy when it matters the most? Your influence is showing whether you realize it or not. We can influence our world through a close relationship with the Lord. Our influence in our, our neighborhoods, our influence in the workplace, it matters today. How we go about life matters. And it all starts with a close relationship with Him. 
As we have that closeness with Him, we can learn how God wants us to walk through every aspect of life. As we have that close relationship with Him, we can learn to have joy. As we have that close relationship with Him, we can learn how how to be more Christ-like. Our influence matters this morning. We influence our world through a close relationship with the Lord. Number two, we influence our world through compassion. We influence our world through compassion. Jude verse 22 says, And of some have compassion, making a difference. And of some have compassion, making a difference. If you look back just a few pages in your Bible in 1 John 3, verse 16 says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and, and, and his, seeth his brother hath need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us love, not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. True love comes from the actions that we display. This morning, today is Valentine's Day. And I can say all I want that I love my wife, but if I never show it in the actions to to show the love that I have, she'll begin to not believe that I love her any longer. True love is, is displayed in the actions that are a part of our life. True love as a Christian is displayed in the actions, how we, how we treat each other, how we treat each other in the church, how we treat each other in our community, how we treat each other out there in the world. You know, this world needs true love, a biblical kind of love in our society. We, we see hatred and anger all throughout permeating our society today. We, we can't turn on the news without seeing that kind of hatred in our society. We, we, see, we see anger that, that displays itself in murder. We see anger that displays itself in politics. We see anger all over the place. And what this world needs is Christians that display a true kind of love to this world around us. We just looked at the Lord in the Lord's Supper, thinking about that true love that He displayed to us. He didn't just live a sinless life and tell us how we are supposed to live. He literally laid down His life for us. And praise God for that great sacrifice that He laid down His life for us so that we can have eternal life. And greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friend. We are to have that kind of love for our community, not just for those that we like, but also for our enemies. We are to have that kind of love. We are to to display that kind of love. John here in 1 John, he maintains that the new birth should be demonstrated in the believer's life. One evidence of being saved, of being regenerated, of having a new life is the love for other Christians. Love that comes from God should be received but also returned in expressions of helpful deeds to other Christians and others. You know, there's various examples of showing love by caring for others all throughout Scripture. I think of James 1.27, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless 
and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Uh, You find orders here for caring for widows and for orphans. The widows and the orphans, they were involved in, in the church and they were to be cared for by the church. It wasn't something that was supposed to be a government program. The church was supposed to love them well. And to give to them, to care for their needs. You remember Acts chapter 6. Back in Acts chapter 6, the Grecian widows were not being taken care of. And there started to be a murmuring in Acts. And the apostles were hearing this murmuring. And so they set out to find some deacons, to install some deacons so that they could begin to care for the Grecian widows so that they could give themselves to the studying of the Word of God, to praying for the people of the church. And if you follow that passage very closely in Acts chapter 6, verse 1, it says in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, God was doing a work in His church. There were people coming to Him that were being saved. And all of a sudden, this, this had the, the, uh, the ability to disrupt what God was doing in the church. And as this, the Grecian widows were not being ministered to, it, it could have caused division in the church. But because of those deacons that were assigned, those deacons that were brought in, they began to minister to those widows. And as they began to minister to those widows, you follow that passage a little bit further, and you see, after all of that happened, God continued to multiply the church. And there were more and more people that were involved in the church. Why is that? Because the community knew what was going on. They knew that true love was being displayed, not just being talked about. And as true love is being displayed in their actions, more and more people say, I want, I want whatever they have. And they, became, they, they started to follow Jesus Christ because of the love that was being displayed. As James 1.27 tells us, pure love, pure love is this, that we take care of the orphans and the widows. I love the ministries that we have here at Rosedale Baptist Church that, that do exactly that, that follow that great commandment, that, that second great commandment. The first is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The ministries that we have that, that do exactly that. I love BYC, Baltimore Youth Coalition, every Friday night, meeting the needs of the fatherless. As they come in, mentoring and sharing the love of God with them, meeting those needs, meeting the needs of our widows, our, our deacons. Uh, that, the main reason that we have deacons here at Rosedale Baptist Church is to meet the needs of those widows. Yesterday we had a, a widow's tea. This year we had to do it virtually. We weren't able to bring them in. And I'm glad we made that call because the parking lot would not have allowed them to come in with the ice that was there. Uh, but Pastor and Miss Charlene were able to share the love of Christ as many of us went out and, and dropped off a box to our widows to, to share the love of Christ with them. To let them know there is a church that cares about them. To let them know that as believers we love them and that we care about them. That's what, that's what Jesus would do. That's what we as Christians are called to do. 
There's also examples for caring for needs of people in, the t- in time of famine or in time of, uh, that, that they don't have any food. In Acts chapter 11, we see that they're taking care of the needs of people that are in famine during that time. I love that we have a food pantry here that God has continued to accelerate and allow us to meet the needs of, of hundreds and hundreds of people in their time of need. Every single week, we have people lining up to take part in that food pantry. Many of you are involved in distributing to that need. Praise God that we as a church family have the opportunity to love our community. To love those that are around us. To love those that are in need in a real and meaningful way. There's examples in Scripture of congregations giving to the needs of the poor. Romans 15.25, Paul is talking here and he says, But now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. He was taking care of the, the needs of the poor at that time. In 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, we see all kinds of examples about generosity. Giving back to the Lord so that we can meet the needs of those that, that need it the most. In verse 7 of chapter 9, it says, Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. That's to be the heart of the Christian. We're to give out of a cheerful heart. That word there is, that word hilarious. That, that heart of hilarity. You think of a child that, that begins to laugh. I remember when my children were very young and maybe about one year old and all of a sudden you get them laughing and then they begin laughing uncontrollably. It's one of the funniest things that you can watch. You, you've either experienced that or you've seen videos on it. And they begin to laugh, and they have this exuberant laugh. Do you know this morning, as we meet the needs of those that are around us, as we give back to the Lord through our tithes and offerings, that's to be the heart that we have, that kind of hilarity that that we're almost giddy about when we can give back to Him because God's going to do something great. And we have the opportunity to be involved in it. That's the kind of influence that we have in our community. God uses our influence to reach the world around us. We influence our world through a close relationship with Him. We influence our world through compassion. We we have many ministries here that meet the needs of the homeless. We have street survival bags that several times a year we go out and we give to the homeless and we're able to meet the needs of the homeless in their time of need. We partner with homeless shelters to meet the need of the homeless. We have clothing drives, so many opportunities here at Rosedale Baptist Church to show the love of Christ because we influence our world by showing compassion. Christians have a measure of responsibility to all people to do good when the occasions arise. The the benevolence of Christians throughout Scriptures is not to be restricted to believers, but typically believers have the highest priority. But in in our homes, in our families, are we pointing our influence to influencing the community that is around us? We influence our world through a close relationship with the Lord. We influence our world through compassion. But lastly this morning, we influence our world by caring about the lost. We influence our world by caring about 
the lost. Verse 23 of our passage, and, uh, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. This word picture here is we're snatching people out of Satan's grip and helping them find a close relationship with Jesus Christ. In our families, so many of us have family members that have never trusted Jesus as their personal Savior. We are to have a love for them, such a love that we're praying for them that we're sharing the gospel with them, that we're inviting them to church, that we, that we care about them so much that we'll go out of our way to share the love of Christ with them. We influence our world by caring about the lost. In fact, Jesus, some of the last words that He gave to His apostles in Matthew 28, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. This is called the Great Commission. As a church family, as Christians, we are to, to go out and and to save people, to bring them out of the fire and to bring them into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's the marching orders that we have. The book of Acts records all of the developments of the early church seeking to fulfill this mandate for worldwide evangelism. In Acts 1, Jesus made it clear that the church's role was not one just of kingdom rule, but of spreading the good news of salvation. This command to make disciples. Making disciples of all nations is, is explained really with the two words baptizing and teaching. We're to go and baptize and to teach. It's not a matter of just going. It's a matter of baptizing and teaching. It's a matter of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Can I tell you this morning, Jesus is a great example. You know, Jesus did not attempt just to change society or politics of His day. When He did challenge authorities, those men were religious leaders and His concern was for their spiritual blindness. The answer for today's problems isn't found through Washington. The answers for today's problems are found with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This morning, we have the answer. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you want to solve the problems of this world, hey, share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those in your community. Share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those in your workplace. Share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those that are in your family. Pray about God changing their life from the inside out. Let's share the gospel of Jesus Christ because we all have influence and we influence our world by caring about the lost. We talked about Lon Solomon. Lon Solomon was a great preacher of our day. And Lon Solomon has seen many people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because of the influence that he had where he was. But you know, there was a man named Bob Eckhart that for many they would say that he did not have much influence. But you know, Bob Eckhart was consistent with the influence that he had. For many, many years, Bob Eckhart would share the gospel of Jesus Christ and no one would get saved. 
For many years he would go out, he had a, a, a panel van that he would take to this college campus where Lon Solomon was a student every single Saturday. And he would set up this panel van to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. He had scripture verses all over the side of it. He had two big speakers that he would connect to a record player and play old scratchy hymns on that record player. Probably not the best way to reach a college town, but it was the influence that he had. And he used the influence that he had to share the love of Christ. He would stand on the street corner handing out tracts to anybody that would pick it up. And typically he was not received very well. People would spit on him. They would throw the tracks back on him. But that one day that his dog got in a fight with Lon Solomon's dog would be the day that began to change the life of Lon Solomon who ended up having influence in Christianity today. There was a, over time, Lon Solomon began to be haunted uh, by, by these interactions that we would ha- he would have uh, with him. He would kind of walk by because he recognized this man has something that I've been looking for. He may not be displaying it all the right ways, but he has something that I'm looking for. And he would kind of walk by to see what he would say. And he would keep on walking week after week. Finally, he decided, I'm going to talk to him. He says, to Bob, he said, I'd like to come talk to you sometime. Bob looks back at him and he says, okay, how about 3 o'clock this afternoon? That was not what he was expecting. He was expecting maybe someday when I get the courage up, I'll come talk to you. He says, no, I, ha- I have another appointment. Lon Solomon, as he tells his testimonies, what kind of an appointment does a hippie have on a 3 p.m. at 3 p.m. on a Saturday afternoon? Lon Solomon didn't have another appointment. He says, maybe I'll, I'll see you next Saturday afternoon. Bob Eckhart looked back at him and says words that haunted him all week long. He says, you may not be here next week. Throughout that week that Lon Solomon would say was the longest week of his life. Lon began to think about how he could make it through that next week. I can, I can hunker down in my house so that nothing happens to me. He had this fear that something was going to happen to him before he got the answers to all of life's questions. In the middle of the week, as he's being haunted by these thoughts, he thought, maybe I'll go out and buy a Bible so that I can begin reading for myself. He began to share that thought with one of his friends, and his buddy looked back at him and said, if God wants you to have a Bible, don't you think that he can provide a Bible for you without you going and getting one? He began to think about that, and he thought, that's probably true. So he didn't go out and buy a Bible. He went back that Saturday afternoon, and he begins to interact with Bob Eckhart. And Bob Eckhart begins to tell him Bible stories that he's never heard before. Even growing up in a Jewish home, he had not heard basic Bible stories. And Bob began to tell him these Bible stories, and he's hearing them for the first time. He tells him about the gospel of Jesus Christ and how Jesus came for one reason and for one reason only. It's to save the sins of this world. And Lon, it's to save the sins that you have done in your own life. It's to provide a relationship with you so that you can have salvation through His name, so that you can have eternal life through the name of Jesus Christ. 
At the end of a couple of hours of Bob and Lon talking back and forth, Bob just looked at him and said, Lon, is this something you would like to do today, to accept Jesus as your personal Savior? And Lon looks back at him and says, I'm a Jew, why would I accept Jesus? And he, he began to, to walk away and, and not know what to think about that situation. And Bob looks at him and he says, can I give you a Bible? Would you at least read this Bible? Those memories of this past week began to flood his mind about how his friend had said, if God is big enough to meet your needs, isn't He big enough to give you a Bible? He accepted that Bible and he committed to reading it that week. And through the course of that week, he began reading the Old Testament. And he got to some things he didn't understand, so he skipped ahead to the New Testament and began reading the New Testament. And he got to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, and he began to take that in. And he began to learn of Jesus Christ and learn of all of what Jesus was, was doing there on earth and what He was about to do and the instructions to the disciples. And he's, as he continued to read through the Gospels, he realized this is the answer for life's questions. A relationship with Jesus is what I've been looking for. A relationship with Jesus is what I need. A relationship with Jesus is all that I need in my life. And he committed his life to Christ. He, he began by saying, God, I, 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 will, I will commit my life to you. I'll commit the next week to you. And if, if all of that goes well, God, I'm going to commit the rest of my life to you. And as he committed that week to him and really started trusting in Jesus Christ, he started recognizing a joy that he couldn't explain. He started having a sensitivity to sin that he couldn't explain. It had never been a part of his life before. And as he began to sense all of these things and have this renewed life that is within him, he realized there was something about this relationship with Jesus that was going to carry him the rest of his life and into eternity. He committed then the rest of his life to Jesus and he started that relationship with Him. He trusted Jesus as His personal Savior. And as he did, he began, he, he wanted to run back out that next Saturday and share with Bob what he had done. But he got out, to, out there that next Saturday, and Bob wasn't there that Saturday. It was at the end of the summer, and typically Bob would only be there during those few months. And Bob was gone, and he had hoped that he would come back the next year. He went that first year with, with having a relationship with Jesus. His whole life changed. He began to follow after Jesus Christ because of the influence of a man that was faithful where he was. He came back out to share his, his story with Bob Eckhart. And, and as Bob showed up, or as the, the van showed up, he was able to notice that it was just the wife of Bob Eckhart. And he started to share with her all that Jesus had done in his life. And he, he started to explain the joy that he had, the, the sensitivity that he had. And he, he, he talked to his wife and, and shared all of the things that had happened to him that past year. And as far as Bob Eckhart and his wife know, that was the only person that ever trusted Jesus because of the influence of Bob Eckhart. But you know, because Bob was faithful where he was, used the influence that he had, 
there were many more people that came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through the ministry of Lon Solomon that continues today, by the way. And through that ministry, pastoring one of the largest churches in America, there have been many people that have started a relationship with him, that have continued a relationship with him, that have had their lives changed. But it's not because of Lon Solomon. It's not even because of Bob Eckhart. It's because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus did a work in Bob Eckhart. And Bob could have easily said, I don't have influence in my world. I don't have the ability to influence my world. I don't have uh, the status. I don't have uh, the the political prowess. I don't have the ability uh, to minister to thousands of people. But he did what he could. He was faithful where he was. He was faithful with the little bit of influence that he had the ability to, to exert. And because of the influence of Bob Eckhart, there have been many that have trusted Jesus as their personal Savior. This morning, you may say, I don't have much influence in my world. I don't have much influence in my community. My my children are gone. I don't have any children. Can I encourage you this morning? Be faithful with the influence that you have. We influence our world because of a close relationship with Him. We influence our world because of the compassion that we show to our community. And we influence our world because we care about the lost. 